0: All right, hello, this is Nick, back with another episode of Tracky News, and another guest today. Um, One of New Zealand's top sprinters in uh, the men's squad, Uh, multinational medalist, been racing overseas. Um, uh, Sam Dakin, how are you?
1: I'm great, thanks, Doug.
0: Thanks for having me on. You're welcome, so... You're, you're a busy guy, you do like, uh, you know, you're a cyclist, uh, you roast some coffee, you've got a recruitment business, your website says you're an after-dinner speaker, like, um, you know, what do you introduce yourself as at, at parties? Are you an athlete or are you a something else?
1: It's a good question. I've been trying more frequently to just introduce myself as Sam Dakin, um, <laughs> the person and then the athlete, the coffee roasting and the public speaking and the recruitment company is, I guess, other things I do. Um, but yeah, you're right, I, I do do a bit. I, I always feel like I have plenty of hours to sleep though and I have plenty of time to see my friends and my family and I've, I guess I've just made a made a life out of of chasing passions and always just giving it a go. Um, that's probably why I found myself in, in all those different areas and um, I guess that's just been my my life's philosophy as well. you just got to start and um, you'll never know if you don't start.
0: Yeah, and um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your your sort of entrepreneurial mm. stuff as well and your outside cycling mm. things. Mm. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit first about worlds because you came back from world champs yep. not too sure. long ago, a few weeks ago. Yep. Um, in your own kind of posts and stuff, you sounded a bit disappointed. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, I don't know. What, I, was, I guess the question is like, what? How do you? What's your process for dealing with that disappointment? Well, first of all, actually, tell us what your results were. Like, how, how did you get on?
1: Yeah, for sure. I was twenty. I was twenty eighth in the sprint, and I was thirteenth in the Karen with the with the results. Um,
0: I'll start back. Sorry, like sorry to interrupt. What were you hoping for?
1: Yeah, right. um, the sprint. I wasn't. I wasn't sure what I was hoping for. I was certainly hoping for a faster qual time, somewhere in the nine sevens. Um, yeah. I think on my IPP, I had sub nine seven if it was going really well. Um, which I certainly felt I was capable of that 9-7 round in the form I had when we were leaving Cambridge. I knocked out a nine eight three in training one day, I think, and we still had the taper to come. So that was probably what I was hoping for in regards to the sprint from a time and, and wherever that put me in the draw. I was just I was just happy to race, but we were very much going there to, to focus on the Kieran, <clears throat> which I knew was my kind of best bet um, of a medal or making a final. And I think for me that was the goal. It was definitely at least the semis, but I, I certainly felt um, I had the form and, and had the race pedigree I'd showed earlier in the season in Jakarta to, to make that final, to stack up with the best guys in the world. So I think I would have been satisfied if I could have I got through the semis and raced really well and ended up in the B final. Um, but to kind of finish in the quarters um, was just really frustrating, but I was really happy with the way I raced. Like I just, I didn't, I didn't want to leave the track regretting how I rode if I'd sat in the wheels and not made a move like I wanted to take the race head on which I felt like I did and unfortunately I, I just couldn't get over a wing and and he wanted to be on the front um, the whole time and wasn't going to let me over the top and that's that's Karen Racing for you um, and yeah it stings like you put a lot of effort and I and like I said on, on my post I had no excuses I was in the form of my life um, I had the best prep um, we'd done everything right um, but yes, we had a few issues with traveling. It was a shambles. Half of our equipment didn't, didn't turn up. I got, you know, one track session, in, um, and we and we got the tape a little wrong. Like I didn't the form I had when we left New Zealand. I just started to go a bit backwards from there on in. But we we think we figured that out now. So there's there's things that played into that. Um, but I certainly felt going into it, I was certainly capable of making the semis. And then once you're in the semis and the finals, it's it's anyone's ball game. Um, as Kip showed from from the back um
0: yeah that was a great so one. Back to,
1: yeah yeah it was a stunner wasn't it yeah um pleasure watching it from the stands um but yeah i guess the, the process is just to to dig back on on what went wrong um
0: so what does that um, feel i was in yeah sorry what does that actually look like like yeah. you sit down with your, yeah, sure. your coach and all that you put it on post-its and stick it on a wall um yeah you, know, yeah, you talked sure. about lots of things like the travel and the tapering and all that sort of stuff like yeah. What's the kind of mechanism that you guys go through?
1: Yeah, there's probably mo- multiple mechanisms. For me, from a personal level, I guess it's first taking time to just be disappointed, um, to be gutted, to be upset, to be angry, to, to be whatever you feel. And that's what DG, um, David Gabray, my psychologist, who I've worked with for seven years now, is the man in charge of some pretty special athletes and currently um, Japan Rugby at the Rugby World Cup, actually, in their mind space. And one of the things he always talks about is just just to sit with it um, and you've got to feel it and you've got to soak it up. So for me, that was the first piece is like feel the disappointment um, of all the effort you've put in and the result you didn't get. Um, that's that's the first key piece. And then I'll write it down um, in my journal around what I'm feeling. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I think afterwards, I constantly just I think the first week, I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. man. I was just gutted. Um, and then when I was on holiday with my girlfriend, some things started to pop into my mind. So I'd write them down. What was my reflection? What would I do differently? Um, and then I kind of collate all that information or thoughts that have been in my head for for two weeks whilst on, on holiday. And then we'll take that um, into a debrief process. Like obviously Nick was our outgoing coach, so we had a bit of an informal debrief on the phone around kind of what his his thoughts were and what he would do differently or what I would do differently. And then um, have had a more formal debrief with our um, interim coach and head physiologist in S&C, Jamie. Um, and we both kind of agreed. We just, we, we took the load off too soon. That was the fundamental piece. We should have kept Jim going in longer. Um, and yeah, I guess that's, that's the process really. You don't want to dig it out too much. You want to go, what do we do? Well, what do we do wrong? What will we do again? And implement and go again. Um,
0: and Was, um, you come back. Yeah, sorry. W- w- did you out for a big bender on the town? <laughs> Blow it we all did. out? Yeah, we did. Okay, cool.
1: yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all lit up in Glasgow. You got to do that, man. You got to let yeah. your hair loose. Um, someone, someone created a WhatsApp group with 150 track cyclists and all sent them to the same nightclub. So, and the rest <laughs> is history. Um, oh, no, there's, so,
0: no, yeah. no, no, there's good. any photos of that. Funnily enough, funnily enough yeah funnily
1: enough um and then yeah just had just had a good holiday and just chilled out yeah. try not to think about cycling i love riding my bike though so i was in i was in Gerona in spain where a lot of my friends um lived there on pro contracts my girlfriend was there for a month so I just went riding did a couple of four four hour rides i think around the coast and, and 38 degree heat and that that was that was awesome just back to what i grew up riding a road bike just fun and um eating. Unbelievable amounts of calories in the form of Nutella and Biscoff crepes and gelato. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: So where where's your kind of head at now? Then, like now you look back on it, how yeah. how do you feel about it? Like you've gone through that process. And, yeah. You know what what are you feeling now? Yeah,
1: good question. Um, I look back at it now, and I and I look at it as a as a bit of a blessing, really. Like if I, the way I summed it up, I think to the coaching team was. And the HPD is If if we look at it in regards to Paris, it was perfect. Like everything that could have gone wrong to help us spread for Paris went wrong, mm-hmm. um, and it was the it was the time to get it wrong, I think. And in, in regards to looking forward to Paris, so on that piece, I feel really grateful that it happened there, and and hopefully, if we take the learnings from there, it won't happen in Paris, um, and we can try those things throughout the Nations Cup season, and then. I think also I I did everything physically and on the race day that was in my control. Um, And then the final kind of bit how I'm feeling now was like, I just mentally was, was, I got tripped up. I got basically too excited by the result and form I had in Jakarta and just felt that I could win and subconsciously got pulled away with only thinking about winning and not focusing as much on the things that that got me to the final in Jakarta and also a medal in Colombia. Um and so after that I feel great. I was had uh, I was twelve watts off my um all time peak power PB and train today, which I I never normally touch until I'm two or three weeks out from comp and I'm pulling more weight in the gym um than I've ever pulled. Um so I'm just in a really, really excited spot. Um we've got champions league coming up in a month. So it's uh yeah, it's it's a beautiful feeling and I think that's the I've been fortunate enough to work with. DG for a number of years, who's got me into a pretty amazing headspace to be able to not push away those things, but then to come back and, and sit with them and then get excited again. Cause this is, this is what I love doing. This is my dream.
0: Um, and it's fun. Yeah. So um, one of the many things you do is you're a promoter of mental health. I've seen, you know, you're on billboards. How does all this kind of stuff that you're dealing with in your athlete life, <laughs> You know, help you with this or you know what what prompted you to to sort of get involved in um, mental health and that kind of yeah thing. yeah good
1: question um the first thing that prompted me to get in, involved with mental health is i guess i had a major battle um with ocd and depression and anxiety for like two years and for a long time i didn't know it was ocd i was just having these like kind of disturbing like ruminating thoughts that started you know for like an hour a day and like I can remember the day I woke up and it started but I just thought nothing of it and then went from an hour today to that's literally all I could think about and it was just it was just chewing away at, at everything I had and I wasn't seeing my friends because of it and, and I was going down a deep dark hole um, and once I got out the other side um, and I was thankful for the journey because it taught me so much and it challenged me and I was like well I feel comfortable enough to share the stuff and I, and I know the journey I've been on and um, I think it can help people. And that's what promoted me to, to get involved where I could, I never, I never thought I'd be on a billboard or do this, but I just, I just saw opportunities where I could provide value to people and I could share my story because um, I felt capable to do so And the first stage in which we did that. was actually just like a seminar at at the track here at the Velodrome called Tales of the Top Two Inches that, Callum and I did along with DG and we just, we just talked mental health for an hour over, over breakfast with people. Um, And 70 odd people turned up at 6am in the morning. And that's kind of, I guess where it started for me. And I just shared my story and seeing the impact it had on people and, you know, people that come up to you and say, Oh, I've had the same thing. Like, thanks so much. Um, I didn't feel comfortable talking about until I heard. So that's, yeah, for me, that's why I do it. I just want to help people. Um, And I, and I still battle sometimes myself, um, and I think particularly at competition, like pressure, stress, that's when the, the voices start to become loud and the doubts and the demons and all that stuff. And um, and that's what that's what happened at Worlds. I just wanted to go home. I was just, my head was just so loud and just, you're not good enough. You know, um, you should just go home. Like all this just brutal self-doubt um, that kind of spans off that obsessiveness and that ruminating thoughts piece. And it was just, it was just, a lot. And when the race finally ended us I was... I and go home now, you know, and that's, that's not the space you want to be in.
0: No. Wow. <laughs> um, so how do you, do you have sort of tips or like, uh, not tips on um, like tools to kind of help you, um, avoid yeah, those, sure. those feelings and like, what do you do building up to competition now? I mean, everyone gets nervous, right? Um, yeah, yeah 100%. and that kind of thing, yeah. but, but yeah, how do you stop yourself sort of going into those holes?
1: Um, I think journaling's a journaling's a big part of that, like getting my thoughts yeah. out on a piece of paper. Uh, I meet with DG every week. Um, sometimes it's for an hour, sometimes it's for five minutes, but it's just that that check-in point point. He'll just ask me how I'm doing, and I'll just talk um, about how I'm doing. And yeah. I think that for me is a really um, a really key bit. It's that weekly touch point. And then I've also got. Um, he kind of helped us develop what we call the red and the green document. And on that document, the green is like what makes you feel good and like what are the positive things or thoughts that you have going through your mind. And the red is basically the darkness, the sabotage, the self-doubting thoughts. So I've got that document that sits in the background as well to understand how those two things sit together and how they simultaneously live with each other um, and just acknowledging them um, and acknowledging that it's okay is a big part of, of dealing with it for me. And then in regards to I guess to competition when it, when it's it's been good and, and and dealing with it, it's just it's accepting the nerves. I actually call nerves special energy because it's it's mm. it's free stuff I can't find anywhere else. And the more nervous I am, the more special energy there is, and the faster I can go. Um, and that's the way I've chosen to frame it because I found that to be really really powerful. Because nerves nerves and stress is energy, and if you can rechannel that energy into the right place. Mm that's how you do superhuman special things. Um, so that's that's always the goal. Do I always achieve it? No. Do I, <laughs> I achieve it? worlds? Well? no, I, I got a little bit wrong. But when mm. I've got it right,
0: it's, it's magic. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mentioned at the beginning there, you've got a bunch of other interests as well. You, I think mm. the main one that we see mo- you promoting most is your coffee business, slow coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. What got you into that? I think I read actually on your Uh, website that you didn't have a coffee until you were like 19 or 20 or something. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, cycling probably got me in, cycling probably got me into coffee to be fair. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I wasn't, I wasn't a big coffee drinker. Like I maybe had a mocker on the way to school every now and again from BP, but certainly nothing i would touch now. Um, And yeah, then I moved in with Eddie Dawkins back in the day and he had a rocket espresso machine and I started, started drinking coffee there and then, I guess just kind of fell more in love with it and more in love with the process that I could kind of turn this bean into ground coffee, into a machine and I could steam the milk and it looked really pretty and I could drink it in the morning. Um, And it became a massive part of my routine and also part of our lives when we were traveling and socializing. Um, I guess as an athlete, well, cycling athletes are more likely to socialize over coffee more regularly than you would say a, a nightclub or a bar um so it became a real touch point for me and then i just got fascinated by how it gets from kenya or ethiopia um into a roaster and roasted and then i just found a roaster online one day and had a crack and bought it had no idea how to roast not not a single clue um and i just watched a lot of youtube videos and did a lot of reading and found slow coffee
0: and how's it all going yeah, it's it's going well, man.
1: Yeah, it's got like I've been surprised with the kind of I guess recognition we've got online and within the within the coffee community's been really cool. Like we're not knocking the lights out. We're not going to take over Supreme or All press um, any day soon. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying kind of applying my entrepreneurship learnings and knowledge that I've done at uni into into real life and understanding the struggles of. small business and then also trying to get creative and solve problems um and also just try lots of new different coffees and challenge myself um to do that and and somewhere else and for me it's a real it's another place I can put energy into if the bike's not going too well or more energy into when the bike's going well and stuff like that so yeah it's super exciting I'm super excited to see um where it goes in the future and having a having a place where we're making coffee for people and serving it the way we like is also really special but i just feel touched every time someone buys a you have in the past like buys coffee from us and then buys coffee again i'm like man like we've we've done something that people want to drink and they want to drink it again and i think there's there's something pretty special in in that line yeah
0: so you mentioned um just if uh, just off air that we were also oh, that you're thinking about you know your life after cycling and that this sort of might be a mm-hmm. might be a kind of full time thing like you're are you 27 28 yeah you feel 27, like, like you're sure 20, 27. Sort of yeah, I actually
1: thought I was 20, 28
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I thought are I was you... turning
1: 20, 28 this year and then figured out it was 27 so I feel like I got a year back. oh well, there you go
0: <laughs> so I mean I mean um, you still got many years <laughs> ahead of you but like uh, it's interesting that you're you know thinking ahead like that. Do you, do you kind of plan um, yeah, sure. things think, out way in advance by nature? Or?
1: Yeah, by nature, I'm, I'm pretty pretty planned, pretty well thought out. Um, I don't necessarily have it all written down on a piece of paper, but I've definitely got it up, up here in my head what I might like to do. And I think um, I have thought a lot about what happens after sport, but the more I think about what's after sport, the more I just want to keep doing this. For as long as i possibly can because it's so much fun um and i get to meet and work with so many amazing people and travel around the world um but yeah i have thought about when i leave sport what would i like to do um i think and so it's the same with podium i've looked at businesses or things i've done but they can never get 120 percent of my attention because that's all going to cycling because that's what it takes to to chase the dream of winning olympic gold so I always get excited by the fact that if I put the bike to the side at one point, what I could do, um, what I could do was slow, and, and what that would look like. Um, and I won't know if that's something I enjoy doing full time until I do that. But I think at the moment that's where that's where my head's at. But I mean, I'm keen to keep going through the LA Olympics. So by 2028, that mm-hmm. could have completely changed. Yeah, I also could fall off tomorrow and, <laughs> and not be able to ride again and have to go find a job. Um, so I-, I think it's important to to have those passions sticking
0: along and have a think about yeah. what you want to do. Well, I don't do that, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you mentioned you're off to champions league, um, yep. with Callum and Connor saunders and who else was going to say, and Elise. awesome. Sean Fulton, like, so yeah, uh, should be awesome. you were the only men's sprinter at worlds though. Yep. Yep. Um, there's no, uh, team sprint. For New, well, New Zealand at the moment, or that you're not no. actively working on there. It seems like um, you know. What, how do you see the the state of men sprinting at the moment? And I think mm. um, having said that, I think we should probably acknowledge the women's sprint are absolutely amazing yeah. at the moment. They've got some great yeah. riders looking really good, but um, maybe not quite as strong on the men's side. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's the women's program is flourishing, man. It's it's really mm-hmm. cool to see. That's it. through it's through no accident. Might um, I have the privilege to watch what those girls do every day. And I think watching Sean come back from her hip surgery and, and the things um she's been through in, in life is completely uttery and inspiring really. So I feel privileged to share the gym and the track with them every day and and watch what what they're going and, and watch Elise win a world title was, was also super cool. Um but yeah, I think certainly for the men's side it's 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 in its roughest patch in a long time probably in terms of results and in terms of death depth like there's certainly some guys coming through um and had like raced them a couple of weeks ago and they've <clears throat> come on leaps leaps and bounds which is awesome um and excited to see where they all end up in a couple of weeks like there's a, i think there's a couple of them coming in and train with us and stuff like that and that's what we need to do more of um we need to engage the talent and we need to kind of See what's out there in the community, and we need to have more racing and stuff like that. I think sprint in general is a, in a in a rough patch, and you guys down in Wellington are doing an epic job to to keep that alive because um, people need to race. Like sprinting's mm. sprinting's fun to race, and it's fun to race people that are similar to your ability. It's I've i never found it that, that enjoyable. Just get waxed every race, um, so, so we've got to find ways to 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 do that um, and expose people. But I think for Callum and I, it's important that we're going overseas and we're getting race experience and, and keep mm-hmm. stepping up because that's what sort of drag the other people up um, with us. So I see that as our responsibility to to keep growing as riders um, and to keep getting better results out there because that will also in turn inspire more people to to get on a track bike and more little boys to to get in there. And then in terms of a teams front, we just don't have a starter really at the moment to be competitive on the world stage. Like I think the harsh reality is now to, to be competitive, you've got to be going at least 17-4 um, at a minimum I mean ideally seven, three, two, one, 3 one down to zero um, so until we can probably find that which Callum and I have both talked about like we'd love to see a team sprint in LA and that's a big that would be nice to have a big focus for that because we've both certainly missed the, the I guess the team aspect mm-hmm. it's one thing to train together and compete together um, individually and travel around but you're still competing against each other there's something about being a team that's that's really special, so I've certainly missed that, and would and would relish would relish that again. Yeah, it's it's certainly not because we don't want to do team sprint; we just we just wouldn't be competitive
0: um, at the moment. You, you think we're kind of um, you know this sort of lull is maybe coinciding with a really strong period of international sprinting? Like the the quality of the racing at the moment is super high. I mean, you said you were twenty eighth, right, at the worlds, but I mean, yeah, like the amount of people. Under well under ten seconds. It's just yeah it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, like the the level in, in both men's and women's sprinting at the moment is mm. is crazy and it's the it's the depth of it, right? I mean you've just got to look across the ditch in Aussie. you've got ten guys there and that you could send any of them to the World Cup. Um so I think that's that's certainly been been hard. I think um I think we probably neglected a bit of development for a long time and we're and we're paying we're paying for that now um much better processes in place now like Finn Cullinane's done a great job of kind of starting to lead up that space and actually get some structure in place. And I think that's going to help, but that's that's going to take time. Um, but yeah, I certainly do do think seeing Hari go nine two, people start to go, mm. you know, yes. how am I going to get there? Um but I mean we've we've shown time and time again that in, in the Kieran, you know, you don't have to be going nine two. You're savvy, and you work on length, and you put yourself in the right position, and do this and that. Like you can win, yeah, hundred percent. Um.
0: So yeah, back to Champions League. You're off to Europe. Um. What What do you think? uh, How do you think it will go? What are you hoping to get out of it?
1: I don't know how it'll go. Might get might get smoked, but I hope not. But no, I think the main thing for me to get out of it is more exposure to the guys at that level. Like after worlds I just need to race these guys more. Yeah. I need to feel constantly what good what good looks like and what good feels like. So for me that's a I think the real attraction to us it it's a it's a more relaxed racing environment with the same people you'll have in Paris um every week for four weeks. There's opportunity to try different things, there's opportunity to see how everyone's moving. So the main things I want to get out of it are just um implementing race plans, trying different things and having fun and and training hard. Um Outside um, of that, not to too, not too worry what happens.
0: I, mean, I, I remember reading articles last year about this riders sort of like cruising around between the locations and like camper yeah. vans and stuff like that. Is that what you guys will be doing or is it a bit more it's, organized? It's
1: not. No, nah, we will be a bit more organized. Yeah, we're yeah. all going to train all the way through. We'll basically race on Saturday, travel Sunday, um, get in the gym on Monday, hit the track Tuesday, Thursday, drop a couple more gym sessions in there and race Saturday and just run some repeat Um a month is the game plan, really. Mm. So, I'll be good. I'm super excited. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. First time, it kind of feels like track cycling is a, a proper professional sport for a month. So we'll just sit in there and and uh, soak it up.
0: Yeah, it's been super successful. I really look forward to watching it. Um, yeah. So look, we'll leave it there. But um, thanks so much. Uh, it'll Be great to catch up again you. another time in the future and talk about other stuff. And uh, sounds good. Yeah. Wish you all the best for Champions League and, yeah, summer of racing. Cool. Thanks, Sam. Chat to you soon. Pleasure. Thank you.